Hello, everybody. Welcome to... This is How We Real Estate. Okay, let's welcome our co-hosts. Lisa. I'm going to the occupied building with the firemen. Patricia. We kept getting these really <laughs> dirty PDFs. John. Did you just say how, what, wet, wet? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to This Is How We Real Estate Podcast. Today, we have something uh, a little different than our pilot episode, which is some tips that we have to offer. And we've all come up with a list of how many tips that we can offer you that we didn't necessarily know or lessons that we've learned when we came into uh, real estate either development or investing. So, all right, first tip. Uh, I'll go first and we'll pass it on to Lisa and then Patricia. First thing I I did not know, actually, before coming in was that uh, it was a tip that Lisa gave and it was create an LLC. And I forgot about this particular thing. A lot of people purchase real estate in like a mom and pop name and it's it's really important i think that you talk to either an attorney or somebody that really knows you know the industry maybe an accountant and you set up an llc before either before you do anything or as you're beginning to make your first purchase well before i get into my tip i think um one thing that's important with the llc is that it helps to keep liability off of the investor um, so if something happens on the property, there's a slip and fall, something like that, it helps protect you and your personal assets, um, and they can only go after the asset that you own in the LLC. So, Excellent. So my tip is don't get emotionally attached. Um, a lot of, go on. Yes. John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not pertaining to relationships, but, um, you know, a lot of people, when they're purchasing their home, there is an emotional attachment. It is an emotional purchase. And with investment real estate, you know, you cannot be emotionally attached because then you will be making decisions either when you're too invested in, in or passionate about a property, you may pay more because you want it like because you have this emotional attachment or if somebody offers you a really nice price to sell it, you may not take that offer um, and may regret it later if the market turns or something. So that's, that's definitely something I would advise anyone getting into real estate. And that's an excellent tip. Actually, it's great. Patricia. Yeah, that's a great point because I mean, you know, if you lose this deal, there's going to be another one. You know, there's really uh, no such thing as a once in a lifetime uh, type of deal when it comes to this. There's always going to be something else that comes around. Patience is tough. Yeah. So my first tip um, is that there are standard leases and addendums uh, available online for most states. Uh, Found that out the hard way. Um, So you just have to do a search and and understand. So, for example, the Pennsylvania Association for Realtors, if you do a search for that and standard leases, you'll come up with all of these documents that you need uh, and just find the one you want, put together a package and you're good to go. That's a good point. And that would depend on whatever state you're living in, you can probably find something. And if not, my next tip is if you talk to somebody who's in the industry or you find people, get involved in groups and reach out, you'll find that this industry is a very sharing industry. So my tip is simply talk to people within the industry. I personally started knowing that I had a resource available to me, which is Lisa. 
and Patricia did as well. We we found out how how giving it was in a community because she was so very open with us and helpful. Uh, and I it was confirmed when we began when I began listening to podcasts. And I recommend anyone who gets into at least uh, residential investing. Uh, check out a podcast called uh, the Rental Income Podcast with Dan Lane. He actually got me really pumped up, and every time I'm kind of like Ugh, about a deal, he fills me kind of with that courage and confidence with the people he bring he brings onto his podcast and his stories. I think they're kind of great. Um, all right, Lisa. Well, I actually had a similar tip further down my list, which is build a network of real estate resources. And so, similar to your tip of um, building a network of other investors to you know, bounce ideas off of and learn from. Um, mine was more crafted around the resources that you need when you own a property, like the pest control guy, the roofer, the guy that's a handyman, the HVAC guy, those kinds of uh, resources. And I know several times, you know, you've reached out and said, hey, do you have somebody that does this? And it's like, you know, that for using your tip with the other people and in, invested in real estate, have that kind of book of their go-to people and they can recommend who does good work, who does bad work, you know, because you kind of get what you pay for sometimes. Yeah, you nailed it. That's, man, so smart. Yeah, similarly, I have uh, one. So um, asking your retail or your realtor or um, other people uh, in the industry for recommendations for lenders. Um, so, for example, you know, uh, you might go to your regular bank, the place that you went to get your mortgage for your home and see if you can get a, a loan for that commercial property. And they might give you a hard time. Uh, you know, they might say, oh, we need very specific information about this particular property and we can't give you uh, any of that kind of information until you have this. Whereas uh, some other banks, uh, some other lenders uh, may actually say, okay, give us some hypotheticals and you know, we'll pre, um, pre-qualify, not, um, not pre-approve, pre-qualify you for a certain amount given certain conditions. Yeah, good point, good point. Well, my next one is, um, and this is, this is my, own, my experience only, find a balanced person. So if you're, if you're a finance-oriented person, find a little bit more of an eccentric person to balance you out. I'm not saying you have to live by that person or, you know, or do whatever that person says. But uh, one of the major things is understanding sometimes you have to make choices when you're not comfortable making the choices, but when they present themselves. So having somebody that you could bounce something off of, um, you'll notice that between Patricia and myself, being a husband and wife team in a company, she's a very grounded person. And I'm a very, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's look at this. Let's look at that you know, we come to the, we come to a very reasonable conclusion thing. So she's very grounding for me. So I hope you find that other person if you need it. So that's my tip. So Lisa. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. Um, you know, having right brain, left brain, uh, people involved. Yeah. She's pointing at Lisa right now. You guys can't see that. <laughs> I mean, she's at pointing at Patricia. <laughs> I've just changed my wife's name. Lisa's pointing at Patricia. I traded, I traded my wife for Lisa. <laughs> no, that's good. It, and it kind of goes off of the, the network thing as well. Uh, you know, even if you don't have a business partner working with you, uh, you know, working with other people or, or knowing other people or bouncing ideas off of other people who maybe have, um, you know, a different way of thinking about things, you know, having that, uh, that diverse network 
to be able to say, hey, does this make sense? You know, I've got this great idea. Let's go and do this thing. And then you're like, no, it makes no financial sense at all. You're going to be spending twice as much as the property is worth. So my next tip is to build out a 12 month cash flow model. Um, a lot of people will look at an annual budget and you know look at their annual income versus annual expenses. And some people will straight line those expenses over 12 months when really, you know, here in Pennsylvania, there's three different times that taxes are collected. So you need that lump sum, especially if you want to take advantage of paying in a discount period. Um, snow events here in the Northeast, you know, lawn maintenance, those things can make cash flow very lumpy. And so you should look at what kind of cash you need up front to kind of carry. Yeah, and on that point, uh, that goes into actually something that I was thinking about was um, about your uh, understanding your upfront costs. Because understanding when taxes are going to be paid, your upfront costs may be higher because maybe you have to reimburse the seller for taxes they just paid. Uh, so for example, you know, the school taxes you know, around are usually due in August, no matter where you are, uh, whereas real estate taxes might be due in May. Uh, and so when you go into uh, the um, you know, closing and you say, oh, okay, no problem. I need 25% down. Uh, I need like 7% for closing costs. Well, also think about what those other costs are going to be as you're going in. When I was coming up with this list, it hit me. And I recommend everybody just find a book that helps you get your mindset right. I re I'm rereading Rich Dad, Poor Dad get in the mindset with a with a book uh, dust off your brain so that's my tip yeah i mean I'll, I'll piggyback a little bit on that one um so my tip is don't get discouraged um there's a lot of times where things might seem tough like booking at your first property and as patricia was saying you know looking at the upfront cost um it could be a little daunting um you might have you know some issue going on at a property and you feel you know discouraged like oh man why did i get into this but you will usually you know figure it out and have more experience at the end of the day and you know better for next time yeah that's a great point actually uh it kind of goes along with the next tip that i have uh which is being okay with mistakes uh something i refer to as it's the cost of tuition you know, you may end up spending more than you expected to. Uh, you may end up spending more time than you expected to, uh, but you're going to learn from it. Uh, hopefully <laughs> you're going to learn from it. Maybe that's another tip is learn from your mistakes. But, um, you know, you, you can't dwell on it. And if you have a business partner, you can't blame either. You know, you have to say, OK, this is what happened. And, you know, this is what we're going to do next time. Or this is what we want to avoid next time. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that was directed towards me a little, but uh, yeah, absolutely. I failed more times than I can count and that doesn't make me a failure. I don't think, I think that makes me more primed for success. I can only speak for myself. Yeah. You can also learn from other people's mistakes too. That's actually that's something I learned growing up, not specifically from you. I, I learned a lot from my siblings' mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> and your husband's. And it goes to the tip about having a network. So you can learn from your friends as they're telling you stories. Before I get to the next one, I'm just going to remind everybody, don't forget that you can send us an email at thisishowwerealestate at gmail.com. Let us know some tips that we missed. 
or maybe ones that you want to add on, and we can put them in the, one of the next episodes. I had no idea, and I'm almost embarrassed to admit that I did not know what a, a 1035 exchange was. So 1031, I'm sorry, 1031. I still don't know the number, but it comes down to know your taxes. And now I'm not saying I know about taxes, but I'm saying between the two of us, uh, between my, myself, my partner here, my wife, and other people that we talk to, it, it is a tax game to a certain extent. It's about saving it's about not paying paying taxes sometimes, and uh, <laughs> and I'll leave it there. You'll have to figure out the rest. But Lisa, it's up to you. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can add to that. Um, usually, especially in the first year that you purchase an asset, you know you're at the highest point of your depreciation of that asset. So you have depreciation expense that you could take off. Um, then your interest uh, expense is also the highest if you have an amortizing loan. So you have two big items that will help to create losses on your tax return. Um, and that sometimes can you know, work against somebody if they're you know, trying to finance something else. Your lender really needs to understand how to look at a real estate investor's tax returns because it will look like it, you're losing money um, but you have to point them to, well, that's because of the interest and depreciation expense. Back that out, you get closer to the real income. Um, so yeah, I definitely advise uh, that people really look at the tax implications of that. A quick uh, tax tip is uh, if you consistently show a loss, then it's a hobby. It's no longer a business. Uh, so I believe the rule is two years. If you show a loss for two years, um, or more than two years, I mean, uh, then you can no longer claim business expenses for that. Yeah, that's a good one. Start saving for capital expenses um, and turnover costs immediately. So a capital expense, um, you know, according to accounting, gap accounting, um, is a replacement. So replacing a hot water heater, replacing a roof, those items you can. Um, expense over a useful life. And, you know, there's really complicated real estate uh, accounting with cost segregation, things like that. Um, and some of the tax laws do allow you to expense certain items all in one year, um, if they're under $5,000, for example. Um, but most times, if you're replacing a roof, you're taking it over the useful life. But but the, my main point of my tip is you need to save for those capital expenses um, from day one because you don't know when that water heater is going to go, but you're going to need to put out, you know, $1,400 or whatever. Can I ask you a quick question on that one? Is there a percentage that you recommend people save maybe per month or quarter? Um, it kind of is a gut of what you're comfortable uh, because obviously you want to have some cash flow and some return, but and it really depends on the age of the property, um, the age of the bones of the property, if you will. Uh, but you know, even when I built a, a new building, you know, I started, I, I looked at, okay, I have probably ten years on this HVAC unit. How much is it going to cost me to replace it and build? You know, walk, worked backwards from there. 
What we usually look at is for each unit about $500 a year as a general rule, but yeah, you do have to understand the situation for each building because new buildings do need work, uh, but older buildings need a lot more work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the turnover cost is when your tenant is leaving and you have to put a new tenant in. So usually there's costs incurred with you know, cleaning the carpet, painting the walls, things like that, um, that a new tenant may want um, or you may have to do to attract that new tenant and you know sometimes it's easy to predict yeah um so my next tip uh actually let's uh let's keep it with talking or with uh, tenants is um i would recommend talking to tenants when you're doing walkthroughs um so they would be able to tell you here are some issues we've had you know with the property they can give you you know like the real information that you don't actually have uh in the posting uh or you know when you see a posting that says long-term tenants looking to stay ask them if they really are willing to stay because as we found that was not the case in, in a property we purchased recently because somebody was moving out while we were closing on the property that's true um, they got one look at my face and they left yeah, it was really quick. They they even screamed a little bit, I think. No, that that was me. Okay. <laughs> it's all my own face. Um, I mean, you can learn a lot from the tenants. Yeah, like what are the things that they want done that hasn't been done? Uh, what are the issues they've been seeing? You know, uh, and you know at the same time, check everything. You can check plumbing fixtures. You know, is the water actually running, and is it running well, or is it trickling? You know, are light do lights work? You know, is there electricity where it should be? Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and I asked, are there any safety concerns currently that maybe haven't been addressed? Or are there any maybe structural concerns that haven't been addressed that uh, we might be able to take care of, you know, if we if we do purchase the property as you're going through it? There's a better way to, to, to articulate that. But I think you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes um, after purchasing a property, we interview tenants. Um, to kind of find out, you know, what we could do better as a landlord that helps to make their decision to stay. Um, so, you know, talking to the tenants is definitely a great tip. I got a tip one time that says, call the We Buy Houses signs people. And I called one of the guys and I found that they're into uh, flipping houses. But what I also found was I got put on to a person who may or may not be in the same plane that we're on. So if there's a house that might not work for them, it might work for us. And again, the more people you know, the better. So be creative in how you go after people because you might find some stuff that's off market. Yeah, yeah, that's a great tip. Um, there are a lot of times, you know, I'll have looked at a property and it won't work for me or, or one of our clients in the brokerage firm, but you know, I know somebody else is looking for something and it fits what they're looking for. So that's a great tip, John. Um, Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> so so my, uh, my next tip is similar to one Patricia was saying about talking to the tenants, um, but it's regarding tenants who are in a rush to get into a space. So usually tenants that are in a rush to get in are usually the ones that default. Um, so they're either, you know, fleeing because they got kicked out of some other space and they need a new home very quickly. And, um, you know, sometimes as a new investor with vacant space, you're like, oh, I need I need this tenant. I need this income. And it can be the worst mistake. Um, so 
you know, my, my sister and I have dealt with that a lot um, in, in our time in real estate. So it's definitely, definitely one to stay away from. Right now in 2021, it's sort of sight unseen. I need a place. I'll, I'll go get it. That's it's sort of what I've been experiencing and what I've been hearing. Do you guys agree with that? Uh, my experience was in varying different markets and after, you know, the recession and, you know, even, you know, many years after the recession. Um, and it was in commercial as well as in residential. Um, so it kind of applies to all, um, but you're the ones that really don't care what the lease says, they just want to sign it. You know, how are you going to point to the lease that they signed and and have them acknowledge that they read it and understood the deal going in. So I guess that, uh, that leads to the next step, which is, um, you know, really do your due diligence when it comes to uh, screening applicants, screening potential tenants. Uh, so some good advice that uh, that I got was go to see where they are today. So if they're a residential, uh, if it's a residential unit, see where they live today. You know, is there garbage all over the place? You know, are there broken cars? Uh, are there people who are basically, you know, sitting uh, all around the house, you know, sitting on porches just with a bunch of junk around them? Um, you know, go through the actual real background check process, uh, which, you know, some, uh, some places like Zillow uh, can make it possible for you to have the applicant pay for it and have it automatically come through for you. So you get that kind of information. Uh, but, you know, uh, I wouldn't just go by, you know, anybody who applies, you know, certainly, uh, you know, talk to them, have a list of good questions to ask uh, for them and, you know, make sure that you're making good choice up front because it's really hard to get people out if you make the wrong choice. Yeah, yeah, that's um, true. I mean, we are in a great market right now. I recently had a tenant move out, moving out of a residential unit. And the one woman called me that um, for a reference, and she said, right now she has 300 applicants for her one unit. And if she gets a bad tenant and she didn't do her due diligence, like she's like, it's on me. <laughs> so, so, you know, certainly call the references. The most important thing a landlord can do is screen their tenants properly. Yeah. I mean, just one last thing on that tip is, you know, the, if you have a bad tenant, it can really affect your other tenants and might cause you to lose other tenants that you otherwise might not have. So being oh. careful on who you, you know, a lot of kind of cohabitate in a building is definitely um, a good thing to watch out for, for your investment. That's an excellent point. Everything costs more than you expect. I'm just going to let it go and see if anyone has anything to say on that one. You think everything will cost more than you expect? Oh, yeah. If you budget for $10, it'll probably cost you 12 or 15 Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. Um, and especially when it comes to like the closing costs, uh, because of like, there's so much like back and forth, but it could be interesting. And, and it really depends a lot on timing. You know, we mentioned about the taxes earlier. So that's a part of it. Uh, you know, your closing cash needed is you can estimate it at best, uh, but it's not going to be exactly 7%. You know, it could be closer to 10%. It could be you know, a little off from that. Um, but then also uh, the weird thing that happens is uh, if you have current tenants, then you get the cash for security deposits, 
which you have to set aside. That's not your money. You know, you can't use that for anything. So yes, it reduces the amount of money that you have to put out, but it's not like you made anything off of that. Uh, so yeah, definitely uh, don't underestimate your closing costs and, and other costs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you in this market right now, we're seeing crazy material cost increases and fluctuations. So it's it's very hard even for seasoned professionals to budget. So don't get discouraged if you're new to this industry um, and you are trying to, to make a budget and you're don't beat yourself up when it doesn't come in perfectly on budget. Um, but when it does, it feels so good. <laughs> it's like you want to do a little victory dance. So um, celebrate those moments for sure. Yeah. So something I always learned from uh, my construction background was the 10% rule. So always assume 10% over on cost, 10% over on time. Uh, but of course, right now it's more like 20 or 30% over on cost just because of the materials. And because there's a backlog of uh, contractors, it's probably 20 or 30% on time as well, unless you have those people you know, on your staff. Yeah, we're certainly seeing, you know, steel, roof fasteners, storm structures, all these things that go into a building are just the timelines are pushed out materials are very hard so it's really crazy okay lisa do you have a tip i do have a tip um so be ready to have in interesting problems to solve and some great stories to tell afterwards <laughs> yeah i'll agree <laughs> yeah okay. A lot of times real estate is problem solving and it's odd problems that you never knew you really were going to have. Um, so you know, we had one uh, recently where a water pipe, I mean, the water pipe is supposed to last hundreds of years. The water pipe broke in a three-story office building and the, it, this pipe is eight feet under the ground. It, the water came up with such force, it broke the slab and started gushing brown water up from underneath the floor mm, into this building. Brown. Yeah. It was just, <laughs> and you're like, how, what, 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 uh, this, 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 how are we going to fix this? Like, Did you just say how, what, wet, wet? <laughs> yeah. It was, like, it was like a really crazy problem. We ended up solving it, and now I have a great story. Stories are always fun. <laughs> um, so my next tip is uh, is not quite so exciting, um, but uh, we found that uh, you may be able to require the seller to fill vacant units before closing. Uh, so this is something that was very creative. Our realtor actually told the seller that in order for the underwriter to approve the loan, they would have to fill a vacant unit that we were told they were going to stay long term. Uh, and so, you know, basically they were they had to as part of the contract, they had to go and fill that vacancy. Uh, and we were allowed to pre screen as well. And we were able to say what we wanted the rent to be, which was uh, seventy five dollars more than what it was before. So basically hold people hold the seller to what they're going to do, what they say they're going to do. Yeah, but in I mean, this case, it was more. They didn't say they were going to fill it. We told well, them, but they, they said they were going to. Gonna, they said they were going to sell it with a, uh, a non-vacant unit. Well, I don't. They didn't really promise that. 
from the beginning. The posting for the property said two long-term tenants wanting to stay. Okay. Yeah. And so we took that and said, well, this person is not willing to stay. They are leaving now. So we want you to fill that vacancy. So you made your sale contingent upon right. the seller performing something that they had advertised the property to be. Correct. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I'm going to throw out a bonus one. Surround yourself with smarter people. Like right now, I've got two people that are a lot smarter, but in different ways than myself. So know your own sort of place and listen to the people that you surround yourself with. I think that's so important. Well, I think Just that goes back you. to the... <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I think that does go back to some of the other um, discussion we've had about your network and having you know people and friends and resources um, kind of you know share your stories, uh, but also to share your pain <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, can help with figuring out their problems for sure. All right. Um, I think that pretty much does it for our podcast today. Thank you everyone for listening to the, this is how we real estate podcast. Cause this is actually how we do real estate. We all do it differently. One is commercial, one is uh, residential. And uh, don't forget to send us an email if you have any uh, questions or comments. And that's at this is how we real estate at gmail.com. Thank you, Lisa. And thank you, Patricia, for coming on here. I guess we'll see you guys at the next uh, or listen to you guys or wait, no, you'll listen to us. That's it. In the next podcast. Bye. Great. Bye. Bye.